This is BetaHouse.life, the podcast that empowers you to live in beta. Waiting for the perfect is often the enemy of the good or even the great. So listen in, get inspired, and let these curated stories encourage you to take your next step. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Benjamin. Welcome Welcome to to BetaHouse.life. And welcome to the BetaHouse.life podcast right here. Ben's kind of laughing because I'm, I'm doing the intro right now. I I'm jumped right shocked. in. I'm Eliza Beth Hedgebeth, the owner and CEO and founder of BetaHouse Studio. And I'm Benjamin. I'm her husband and I'm the GM <laughs> of BetaHouse Studio. What does GM stand for? General manager. Okay, just wanted to double check that it wasn't like... Genuinely meandering. Great motorist or, <laughs> you know, something else. Just, you know, there yeah. could be other re- meanings for it. But you're the visionary. Mm-hmm. You are the passionate leader. I am the systems and structures person yep. and I handle the grunt work around here. I tell him what to do. (laughs) Basically, that's what it boils down to. Everybody's happy. Getting to the point here rather than our little uh, fun (laughs) there. Uh, Today's episode, we get to talk with a very special person to us. Very special person. I'm trying to think the best way to introduce her, but to me, she's our first client. She's like the most incredible person. She (laughs) took a chance with us coming in here and recording very first, and she is currently in her season two of recording her podcast right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Lauren Allen. Yay! And a little behind the scenes, we got to have a great time this uh, two weeks ago with mm-hmm. our launch. Yeah. Um, That's when we're recording this right now. Mm-hmm. In which we got to introduce the first person we met in San Diego to our first client. That was great. Yeah, so <laughs> a little fun but, there. Bring it. But that's foreshadowing. Cassandra Altman is she's coming up in a couple episodes. Episodes. That's right. So I'm teasing that a little bit too right now. But back to Lauren. Yes. Lauren has done so much mm-hmm. and she is a fount of knowledge in everything that she has done and super skilled um i've gleaned a lot from her just getting to hang out in meetups mm-hmm. and her thing is she was in corporate america right. for a long time mm-hmm. and was good at it right really good at it and uh then she had a life change like she made a choice and so now she has her own uh, business right hand business coach mm-hmm. uh, which is a great consulting thing where oh, she yeah. is there and she can get in there and kick butt yeah. I mean and, um, helps people get their businesses together move on to the next level mm-hmm. get she organized really yeah. knows her stuff there but she started her podcast yes and that's where we kind of come in mm-hmm. you know because she started stories merge here. yeah uh, and that podcast is corporate school dropout go subscribe yes <laughs> I will some good totally promo reviews. her yes. um, for that yeah. uh, in which she gets to interview so many cool people, mm-hmm. and you know she was in recording right before we were recording this. Yeah, uh, and I just I'm blown away at the breadth of her mm-hmm. guest. So yes. you totally want to check that out. And I'm gonna I'm not gonna tell any more right now because I want you to listen to the episode to get what all of these beautiful things she does, mm-hmm. what they all are. As we kind of wrap up our series on what it means to take hard turns. Yeah, she's done a few. <laughs> And I'm really excited today to have Lauren Allen here with us in the studio. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here with you. Lauren has the beautiful title of being the first person to record at Beta House Studio. First client. Yeah. And she has this great uh, great podcast, I promise I can talk, uh, that is called Corporate School Dropout. And it just recently launched. Yes, it did. <laughs> it felt like my birthday. It was the most incredible day. Like, it's so exciting. It was a lot of fun to get yeah. to see it. Like, oh, and it's actually like there when you go to iTunes, like clicking it and seeing. Yeah. And her thumbnails are amazing, by the way. 
I have an amazing designer. And we can talk <laughs> about her all day long. I absolutely, it's our fourth project with Corporate School Dropout together uh-huh. with my designer. So, Well, they are awesome. Just Thank you. Yeah, throw that out there. But we're finishing, we're not finishing, we're in the brand spanking middle of the whole topic of when to know to make a hard turn in life. We had a chapter with focus and flexibility, and now we're getting into when do you know it's not just a lane change in life, but it's time to make a hard shift with it. And we've shared our story about coming out here and job changes and things. Lauren, I love your stories that you have of the changes you've made in life. So you're going to get a chance to share those today. You guys are going to get a chance to hear that, which is just incredible. And I've enjoyed getting to hear all these different stories with this one because it's been a lot of similarities, but a lot of things that are very unique Mm -hmm. to circumstances. The beauty is nobody can tell you for sure when to make a change other than you, but there are some flags you should look at. (laughs) Yeah, I think I've seen, I I feel flags. Mm -hmm. And to understand what that feeling feels like for any, for everyone is just very different. Mm -hmm. So So give us a little bit of your background. Um, So I spent, um, well, I'm from the South, much Mm -hmm. like you guys. And um, I grew up in Georgia, born in South Carolina, feel very deeply and passionate about my like roots of being a Southern girl. But I really developed my career out in Colorado. I got moved to Denver for a company that I worked for. Spent 15 plus years in more of a project management, large global um, companies. I pivoted 10 years later and now I moved to San Diego a little over two years ago and started the entrepreneurial journey, much like everyone else who moves to San Diego. (laughs) So how did you know it was the right move? Let's go back to first going to Denver. Okay. To leave the South leave what was comfortable, and go to Colorado. So I also, I have to go back one step. Okay. I decided to do college a little differently and Mm -hmm. studied abroad. I feel like that was kind of my first step in learning the transition and Mm -hmm. how comfortable it actually can be of like, I wouldn't say comfortable, but how to take fear and put it to the side and try something new, even though I got on the plane, I traveled to London by myself. I was the only person from my school to go. Mm-hmm. And I met the most amazing people. And there we are still friends 15, 16 years later. I can't even remember how long that's been. But that was like my first bug of like trying something different. Mm-hmm. It felt really good. Like, I know, like, I have to go back to the feeling. Mm-hmm. I just felt like there was something more to college. It had to be more fun than mm-hmm. just going to class. <laughs> I was like, there there has to be a way to do this even cooler. So that's how I ended up going to London because I was like, oh, let's just do something different here. Mm-hmm. And then the cur- the job that moved me to Denver, I had just bought a house mm-hmm. and decided six months later that I wanted something different. Mm-hmm. I, I call buying my first house at 25 my best worst mistake because I still own that house. Wow. <laughs> so real estate mogul as real well. Real estate mogul, yeah. <laughs> so I still own that house, and I'm like, oh, it, it, it's just been the nightmare. It's never been a gr- it never was a great idea, but it happened. But it wasn't fulfilling. It didn't, like, fill this void of, I don't know, I felt this void. I felt mm-hmm. like there was something else in life that I had to do, and it wasn't living in my hometown. It wasn't buying the house in my hometown, living a, a mile from my parents. It was something else. So I actually put a plan together 
and put a bug in the vice president's ear of the company that I worked for and said, you know, I know more about the company than anybody else because I um, was the executive assistant to the mm -hmm. CEO president and I traveled with him. So I learned everything about the business. Mm -hmm. We were opening a new office in Dallas and I said, who better to go open this new office with this new VP than mm -hmm. me? Because I know how the guy, the president and CEO wants to run this company. Mm -hmm. So he, the guy, this, the vice president in Georgia said, that's a great idea. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it was mine. I'm just glad you think it's yours. Yeah. So I was moving to Texas, um, Dallas, Texas. And then two weeks before I was to move, I already had everything set up to move to Texas. The new boss called and said, I really need you to go to Denver. We'll pay for your housing. We'll pay for everything. But we are... We're reorganizing the office, so I need you to go to Denver to do the same thing that you were going to do here in Dallas, like to set it up, get the standards back up to par of what the company wants. Um, and as soon as you finish that, you can come back. You can move on to, to Texas. So it was only supposed to be a temporary job. So two, I only had two-week notice. I quickly bought a four-wheel okay. drive car. Yeah, to deal I'm, with the snow. Because I'm like, oh, God, this is – when did I move there? September, so I knew snow was coming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I shifted. I moved to I moved to Denver with a mm -hmm. two-week notice, and I stayed for 10 years. Because then he was like, okay, we're good. Are you ready to move to Texas? And I'm like, do I have to? Like, I really love it here. Yeah. So he, he's like, you can do whatever you want to. So, yeah, I stayed in, I stayed in Denver for 10 years. So it was just kind of like shift after shift. Mm -hmm. So. So little changes, but that made big changes. So it was, yeah. you know, it wasn't so much that you were saying, I'm going to change everything. You were taking a next step. Taking next steps in my career. Yeah. But being open to making moves. Yeah. Big um, steps. Big, <laughs> yeah. big, like, leave leave everything that I knew. Mm -hmm. How did your parents take that? They were just convinced I would eventually move back to the South. Okay. Yeah. So it was temporary. Yeah, they were temporarily, you were temporarily moving out of the state. Mm -hmm. I was always, to them, I was always going to come back. So you're in Colorado, Denver, doing that life. What made the shift to now come to San Diego? So after being there for 10 years and I bought another house. Um, Do you still own that one? No, I sold okay. that one. <laughs> I sold that one. The Denver market is much better than the Georgia market. <laughs> I started to have, the again, I, I talk about this feeling. I... If you listen to episode one of my podcast, I say that it all started with a long weekend here in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole backstory of why I was coming to San Diego for that weekend, but we'll stick to this part. I felt, I've always been a water girl, and I just felt at home and at peace and all right with my soul watching the sunset on Sunset Cliffs. And I just kind of sat with that and said, that's, that's interesting, that feels good. And then I came back to Colorado, or back to Denver, was living my life. But everything kind of like started to, I would think about San Diego, I'd think mm -hmm. about that trip, and I would think about that sunset. And I'm like, what if I could, what if I moved there? I don't know about you, mm -hmm. but sometimes I have lingering thoughts. Oh, sure. Sometimes I have, like, thoughts that are, like, totally fleeting. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'll have a 100 th shower thoughts. Yeah, that's about, why I bought you the notepad. Yeah, about <laughs> things we could do. Most of those don't stick around. Right. But there, sometimes there are some that do. Mm -hmm. And 
paying attention to those. Now, you have a very interesting shopping strategy. <laughs> strategy, idiosyncrasy, whatever you want to call it. So, like, I have a satchel, and I call it my Indiana Jones satchel. It's a, it's a nice leather satchel. It will never go away. It's gonna mm. always it's it's a nice high quality thing. The kids have already paced, like put dibs on it for when, when I die. Yeah, because that's, they want this pleasant. satchel. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but I've I've been very particular when it comes to buying things. Mm. Uh, I I only like to pick up those things that I know I need. I am not a superfluous purchaser typically, and so there is this. Uh, this fossil brand satchel, leather satchel, that I wanted, and I went in and I looked at it, and I said, that's cool. And I, I checked out all the pockets and weighed out the sizes, because I had an over-large satchel before, and it was a problem. Mm-hmm. But I didn't buy it. I came back and looked at it again a couple months later. And then I looked at it again. I think it was like two years. Oh, no, by the time I bought it, it had been two years. Yeah, I yeah. think the whole, st- that's yeah. how long this took. When I finally bought it, it was being discontinued because they're making a new style. So I got a really good deal on it. <laughs> but no, I just I, I take a long time to buy the things I want to buy. Uh, and it's that it was a lingering thought. It's always in the back of my head. And that's sometimes when we go out and go shopping for things that are going to be a little more weighty. Mm-hmm. We'll go look at it in the store. We'll go walk around somewhere else and we'll see how it sits with us. You know, how does making that decision sit with us to buy something that maybe costs a little bit more? Yeah, and it's those times where you get to weigh it out mm-hmm. that you suddenly learn, is this something I want to go forward with? Right. Because if it disappears within, you know, a day or so, then maybe mm-hmm. not. Maybe it was just a fun idea to entertain your brain for a little bit. Right. Dream and hope. Right. But when things stick with you, mm-hmm. and they stick with you, right. and they stick with you. Well, it's like when Lauren came to visit San Diego and she sat on the Sunset Cliffs and she watched the sun go down. It stuck with her. It wasn't going to go away. I have this feeling that I needed to live here, and mm-hmm. I've never felt that from traveling anywhere else in the, the U.S. or the, the, the world. Like, I, I love the Bahamas, but I never wanted to live there. Mm-hmm. I just want to, like, go and have a great weekend or a week there. So you weren't the person, because there are people out there that no matter when they take a vacation, they cry when they leave oh, because they're ready to move there, like, every single vacation. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter where it is. Like, oh, yeah. I love Orlando now. Now I really love Tallahassee. Now I really love Dallas. Now <laughs> I only cry when I have to leave the Bahamas. Okay. <laughs> but it's not that I wanted to live there. I just don't want vacation to be over. Right. That's a, those are different things. Yeah. This is the whole I'm like starting to plan how I'm going to live, you know, yeah, in all these no, places. No, I've never really felt like I want I was like, okay, vacation's over. It wasn't over for San Diego, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't. I can't explain that. Besides, it just felt like I had to be here for some reason. But then I started to think about like, are you trying to run from something? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to escape a feeling that you may have? Yeah. Have you just been through a breakup and you just want to throw everything and cut your hair off and move to a new city? Like, come on, ladies, <laughs> yeah. we know that that's what happens. We we cut our hair mm-hmm. and we want to move. And so I started evaluating like, why do you want to move? Mm-hmm. And sitting with that till I can make the actual distinction of none of those are going on in your life. You want to move because you're just ready. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, I sat with that for probably about six months before I even started verbalizing it. And then I started testing my thought process, like, on a few friends that I trusted that wouldn't, wouldn't question me. Mm-hmm. So I just started, like, just hinting around of, like, if I moved... How would you feel? Mm-hmm. And 
the first person I told was my girlfriend Mary and she said I'd really miss you a whole lot but I would visit you and I was like that's that's what I needed to hear Mm -hmm. I didn't need to hear like that's a terrible idea Um, I got that from some people and I just had to like cut that Mm -hmm. like put up a wall basically and be like protect myself from the people who didn't believe in me Mm -hmm. there is a difference between the people who come to you saying that's a horrible idea because I don't feel you've thought about this and they're bringing up a legitimate concern not just an overall that stinks yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there there's a if you know it's really funny my parents they they have legitimate concerns yeah um, and then they recently sold their house and moved to another city, and I did the same thing back to them, and they were like, you know how we questioned you? Like, we know you're questioning us. Mm-hmm. But you know how you said it wasn't really, like, I didn't really say this, but I was like, it's not really any of your choice. That's yeah. not your choice. And they like basically said it back to me. I'm like, <laughs> it's not your choice if we sell the family home and move to a uh-huh. new city. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. But it's my room. Yeah. <laughs> It's all the things that I loved in that house. And they're like, you haven't lived here in like 20 years. <laughs> so. so you've made the decision. Yeah. And it's one thing to make the decision. Because I've even known people who go so far as to make a decision. And then we're going to do that in a month. We're going to do it in two months. We're gonna, and it keeps getting put off. So how did it go from idea, decision to action? It was probably about the summertime. There was kind of a, like a blow up at work. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, okay, it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. It's time to leave this, this company. There was a really big project coming up. And I was like, I have to, I have to do this project. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about what it is. I wanted it for my resume because I wasn't dropping out permanently. Like, I just wanted to move to San Diego and find a new job here. So I need, I was like, I need that project on my resume. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to look at... I didn't want to pay capital gains on the sale of my house. So I had to look back and say, okay, you closed on your house a year and a half ago. You can't sell it until basically January of Mm -hmm. 2017. And so that was kind of like my timeline. I got to stay in this house until January and close after. So I had a two-year, I was in a permanent residence for two years, Mm -hmm. and I want to finish this project. So those were the two timelines that I had kind of set in stone. So I knew that everything in, in, in project world is like you have your time, you have your end date, and then you just kind of back up and like, okay, mm-hmm. when do I have to start doing all the things that prepare me to get to this date? Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And then the day came. <laughs> the day came. Um, I sold my house, quit my job, and moved to San Diego on January the 19th of 2017. So that happened fast. Like from your January 1 day, you know, like when you could sell the house and like in packed up, gone. Yeah. I sold I closed on my house 2 days after the 2 year and like 2 year date. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect timing. Yeah, so I basically and, and I talk about this all the time. I I'm, I'm a project manager by trade. Mm-hmm. And I say trade because it's not who I am, it's not what I do, mm-hmm. it's a skill that I have. Um, So I want to make that as, like, when you start identifying yourself as a um, title, I feel like that's where you kind of get into some stickiness and not understanding your value and your worth. But if it's a skill that you associate with, then it's a little easier to say, I'm a project manager Mm -hmm. by trade. Right. So I basically wrote out a project plan. I The way that I've always worked is kind of bucketed 
task. So I was like, I looked at all my finances. I looked at all the things that had to happen with the house, um, what had to happen with the job and the move. And then I just started detailing out all the things that needed to happen during Mm -hmm like under like the financial bucket, the house bucket, and then just started crossing things off one at a time. Working with my real estate agent and I are still really great friends out of out of Denver. He kind of said, okay, this is the timeline that we need to put your house on the market to sell it by a certain time. Had, God, I had three offers in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Like I just sobbed when I we, we sold the house. And people are like, why are you crying? And I was like, it's here. Like this was the last mm-hmm. piece that had to happen, so. And something that historically has been out of hands of people a lot of times. Like it used to be, you know, you put a house on a market and you hope to get offers, and then you hope. I mean, it was a lot of a lot longer of a process. You know, we yeah. sold a house and it was like, oh, we've got like four offers, and we still have people scheduled to come, and yeah. it was a whole different weight. You know, selling a house in the current market than it used to be. Oh, it was insane. The, the person that I sold it to, if she listens to this, she might, I hope she laughs at herself, but she was the first offer, okay. and I just hadn't responded yet because there was an open house the next day, mm-hmm. but we had a snowstorm. <laughs> Sounds like Denver. The next day, <laughs> and I still got two more offers during that time, but I hadn't responded yet only because, like, we had a snowstorm, mm-hmm. and she came back and overbid on herself. Oh, <laughs> because she was afraid that I had too many offers. I yeah. did have competing offers, but yeah. she overbid on herself, and I was, like, sold. <laughs> like, you want it that bad. <laughs> you are willing to fight. <laughs> you can have it. And anyway, I just thought it was the funniest thing. My neighbor, or not my neighbor, my real estate agent just died laughing. He's like, so she's she's upped her offer. And I was like, it's a sign. It's a sign. We're going with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my mom came out and for a week before and a week after the move, I can't I can't thank her enough for doing that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, I want to help you in this transition. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And I said, you can, you can actually pack my house. Like, I'm trying to wrap up this really big job. Mm-hmm. I hadn't given notice yet, and but I needed support on like the back end of like just the planning side of it. So my mom comes out and then I just, I was doing everything by myself. And so when she got there, I just stopped making decisions and I was like, whatever, just pack. I don't care how you do it, what happens. The truck's gonna be here in a certain day. We just have to have the house packed by that time. And she really just like took over and just started making decisions for me. And I just couldn't, I couldn't say enough how much I appreciated and not have to do that part all on my own because I was yeah. exhausted by this time. Yeah. So then we we moved to San Diego and I let her continue make decisions. <laughs> um, and then she stayed with me for a few more days when we got here. Um, and then I eventually moved into my old house. And you so. even, you talk about your experience on Sunset Cliffs mm-hmm. and you did settle in Ocean Beach. Yeah, I lived down the street from that spot. Yeah, like yeah. you were like focused. and. Sometimes yeah. finding a space, like the market out here, rentals, owning, whatever, is so tight. Sometimes trying to get in that ideal perfect spot is way trickier than it seems. <laughs> yeah, it was easy. At the, yeah, but this was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of transition in OB since I've been here. Ocean Beach is referred yeah. to as OB. But the uh, the place that I now live in was under construction. Mm-hmm. It was um, these old, about 100-year-old little cottages in this one little community. We're all, like, fenced in. There's seven 
seven houses and they were being remodeled and re-landscaped at the time and they had under new ownership so they're all empty Ooh, perfect <laughs> perfect so i lived in the construction re-landscaping zone for a couple of months and now that's like two years later and it's beautiful mm-hmm. like i it's still like this little little oasis behind behind the gate so you little hidden gem yeah <laughs> you get to enjoy it and the parrots are there now They've always been here. Um, the OB <laughs> parrots are incredibly loud. Lots of people love them and find them endearing. When you don't have a schedule and you don't have to be up at you know a certain mm-hmm. time in the morning, like they're super annoying. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, this is my first like time getting to experience them. So yeah. getting to go up there and it's like they're still quirky to me. So they're still in that like oh this is interesting. Yeah, you know, I've never been around wild parrots before. Yeah, they. Gather. I love, I love and I hate them. Yes. <laughs> I love to see them. It makes me happy. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, they're my OB parrots. And then, like I said, in the mornings when they're just screaming at each other for, mm-hmm. for no reason <laughs> that early in the morning, I'm like, shut up. Have you had any weird adjustments coming out here to San Diego? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, you know, it should have been just like Kentucky, right? Uh, but more west. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just like... And an ocean there yeah, next you know, to it. And the desert on the other side. Kentucky with an ocean and a desert equals... That is, no, that does not equal California. <laughs> no, Denver doesn't equal California. No, None it doesn't. of these equal, no. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I say that like funny. Oh, well, sure, sure, sure. And so, yeah, for Lauren, you know, there were some adjustments. We joked, we're, you know, joked about the parrots in OB. And they're, they're cool because it's parrots. Yeah. I never saw parrots flying around as a kid. Did no, you? No, And there's obviously there's been other, you know, there's, there's small things like that. There, there are adjustments that we have to deal with. When we first moved into our space out in La Mesa, mm-hmm. we had a neighbor who had to medicinally partake mm-hmm. yeah. of smokable things, and we'd never been really around that a whole lot before. Yeah, it was a little <laughs> eye-opening. I learned that I respond poorly to that. It right. actually causes me great anxiety. Yeah. Like, my heart will start to race. And, and I, It is not pleasant. No, and I got a lot of anxiety when... Other people were down there doing the same thing, and they set off the smoke alarms because they put hamburgers on the skillet and then went to sleep because the munchies knocked them out. Yeah. And there were grease fires, <laughs> you know, and that's unexpected adjustments. It was yeah. something that we hadn't been around before. Sometimes you have fun stuff like that, mm-hmm. like the parrots, and then there's other times it's like, okay, well, neighbors are neighbors are neighbors wherever you go. Yeah. And you got to adjust the people sometimes, too. But when you're making an adjustment for your job, if you have to move or something like that. Well, even just setting a new schedule for yourself Mm -hmm. is an adjustment. Oh, sure. You know, my daily rhythms a year ago to my daily rhythm now is very different. Very different, sure. And had to make adjustments Mm -hmm. to that and learning what that looks like. You know, my current office Mm -hmm. right now doesn't have a window. No. I need windows. You need windows. But the new office is going to have windows. And so it's yeah. like right now figuring out, okay, how do I balance working in the space where I feel kind of closed off mm-hmm. to where I need to be too sometimes to just recharge right. and be able to focus. Yeah. So you've made it to San Diego. Mm-hmm. So hard turn moving here. How did you go through the adjustment process so that that hard turn didn't become a U-turn? Meaning I'm here for a little bit. Never mind, it wasn't what I thought. I'm going back. That's a good question. Um, Everybody always told me to give it two years. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of said, okay, I'll give it two years. It really took two years. I didn't find, I started finding my community in the entrepreneur world very early. Mm -hmm. But I didn't find like my social life 
Yeah, for really like two years. And San Diego is such a transitional location with lots of people coming in all the time that um, I've met some really great people, but then they moved away. And I'm still in touch with them, but it it hurt. I was like, oh my God, hold on a second. I had to start over again. So I, I, even in the two years that I've been here, I've had to start over multiple times. And just being okay with that is, has been a, it's just been a lesson in like, in friendships mm-hmm. of like, and relationships come and go and how to accept them for what they are that, for that time. So you had a physical switch mm-hmm. and turn in coming out here. Let's go in a little bit to starting a new business okay. too on top of everything, <laughs> because you've moved to a new location and now you're starting a business where you don't have roots. Right. You know, it's not like you have a book of business or clients or, you know, even leads. So what's that like? Well, when you put it like that, it sounds crazy. (laughs) Um, But I just, so I started Right Hand Business Coach two years ago. I started it because my, one of my, my friends just was continuing to ask me business questions. And I was like, yeah, I've always been kind of that person that people come to for business advice. So I might as well just start selling my advice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't, there was never a question of like, how am I going to get clients? It Mm -hmm. was more of like, how do I build this business? Mm -hmm. Because I knew that I had a skill that people wanted. And so I just believed that I could. Mm -hmm. So the, the transition of starting a business with no roots, I just believed that I could. And there wasn't anybody tell me that I couldn't. So I started networking groups, immediately found some really amazing women's groups. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, they're, it's no longer together, but we're still all friends. Um, it was <laughs> called the Boss Babes Brunch Club. Okay. It, they were based in Encinitas, and they did a six-week work share. And so every Tuesday, I drove up to Encinitas, and I was working building right-hand business coach full-time but during that six weeks is when I actually launched the business Mm -hmm. because I had the support of all these women like there that's where I learned how to use Instagram my girlfriend who's a lawyer had helped me kind of walk through the LLC documentation who has since now taken all the photos for corporate school dropout because she loves taking photos on the side so I started building kind of the network of people that I trusted and then we started sharing back and forth. That's kind of where I started like my first like referrals and like um, building the mm-hmm. business. And so. it's interesting, and I'm gonna ask questions that might seem a little off topic, okay. but for people who are in your shoes right now, where you were then, and changing and getting from that transition from the work share to paid clients, you know, and yeah. actually making a little bit of money so I can pay rent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what is that like? That is, oh, that's still a daily struggle because I never was a a salesperson. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I was a project manager by trade. So learning how to sell your services for me is continually a new process. It's never something that I've just nailed. So I would say referrals for me were the easiest because somebody had already worked with me Mm -hmm. or they came, the referral came from a like my designer, Michelle, I got a lot of people from her because she was like, well, I work with you all the time. I already mm-hmm. know you as a person and I know how you interact and how you work with people. And so that was an easy sell for them because Michelle already was able to vouch for me and my work ethic. So that's really how I got started okay. of like selling like business coaching services. Mm-hmm. Um, is And it has been the easiest transition is, wor- uh, is working with referrals. Mm-hmm. Like, I haven't met anybody that I've just said, hey, I'm a business coach. 
and, they, and then they say, okay, I'm going to spend all this money on you. <laughs> <laughs> so. so do you think that having that focus of starting the business helped you in your transition to a new place? Yeah, because it got me out and got me into the community, which mm-hmm. has always been something that's really important to me. I was very active in the Denver community, and I had a really large network. But I would say my network here in San Diego is even bigger because I started sooner. Like, mm-hmm. I started building those connections and working, like, diligently to meet more people, mm-hmm. like, on purpose. Yeah, I can say that we were in one city for 20 years. Our network here is bigger yeah. than it was there after 20 years. Yeah. I mean, it's weird how that can happen, you know, that you end up in these groups. And I think the city is built for networking. And you brought up something f- interesting, talking about your lawyer who is taking photo- f- photographs yeah. for you. Because I feel like everybody here has a side hustle. Yeah. And that's not everywhere else. And so you, I laugh because the lawyer, yeah, the lawyer's a photographer on the side. Yeah. And she's a wonderful yeah. photographer. <laughs> uh, and... Yeah, like it's more of um, like everybody just to me, like mm-hmm. all my friends do such cool things and to be able to sh- share the experience with them and for them like has been like, has been really mm-hmm. fun. I feel like as an entrepreneur, you get to explore and you get mm-hmm. to expand and there's opportunities out there to do anything and everything and you get to choose on how you utilize that. I think hard turns are called just that because they're hard. Mm-hmm. If it was easy, they'd be called easy turns. Yeah, but that's also <laughs> why we've taken now four episodes to work our way through this subject. Well, we had such incredible stories oh, yeah. on all of this one. And everybody's, while they're similar, mm-hmm. have unique points. Oh, sure. To how did they come up? How did they make decisions? Were they mm-hmm. quick? Were they slow? Were they... Multiple. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of what I see as the same for everybody is pretty much everybody has that aha moment right and they can remember mm-hmm. that aha moment yeah so sean's was when he was laying on the truck bed mm-hmm. and he realized yeah, this is not what i was going for mm-hmm. and that was that final transition that led him uh, into his work that was going to propel him to where he is today for lisa it was when she realized you know that where else is there to go yeah. at this point is this I've reached the top yeah i don't really have another spot mm-hmm. so what's next yeah and for lauren it was a sunset mm-hmm. on the ocean that said maybe i need to live here you know and that's led her to where she is today too and for us it was a there you know we had our own aha moments mm-hmm. and it's all beautiful they all kind of again different angles different things but they're all kind of leading toward that same spot where you're making that decision to make the hard turn and i would think you know kind of my change happened mm-hmm. when and i can look back on this and I haven't shared this in a previous episode, so it's new, oh, info. new info. Kind of happened when I had my first video start to take off. Yeah. And realizing that, oh, this actually is something. Mm-hmm. You know, that people do want to watch. People are out there. And we've got this incredible worldwide audience now, you know, in the world we live in. And that's really cool. Yeah. You know, so that was when, oh, I maybe I can pursue this YouTube thing. Maybe. And then that YouTube thing led to the studio thing Mm -hmm. and it's been normal steps from that point yeah we all have bigger audiences maybe than we would think and making that hard turn is going to be what opens us up to that right now in Guangzhou China there may be a little girl named Yo-Yo who's listening to us right now too Mm -hmm. and I never would have met Yo-Yo if it hadn't been for a hard turn yeah 
And so, yeah, worldwide. Yeah. Who knows who you're reaching right now, you yeah. know, with your audience on social media, mm-hmm. on any of those platforms. You mm-hmm. know, we have a worldwide thing. But be ready for it. Oh, yeah. It's fun. And be ready for adventure. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate thing. Don't be scared of a hard turn. Right. Lean into it. Yeah. And give it everything. Don't do it hesitantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let Lauren do her uh, shameless plugs. How does that sound? That sounds good. And that'll close this puppy out. All right. Here we go. So as I have talked, I did develop the company Right Hand Business Coach. So mm-hmm. I work with people who are leaving the corporate industry and help them plan and launch their business. Mm-hmm. Corporate School Dropout is my favorite new project where I interview people who have already left the corporate world and are doing amazing things with their lives that are just not climbing a corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. They have found ways to be successful, build businesses, and they're thriving doing the things that they love. And the whole podcast is meant to be inspirational to the person who is still sitting at their corporate desk, Mm -hmm. like knowing that there's a different way, but they don't know how to get there. So sharing stories of people just like them who have made that transition. And that is such, I love that idea. Like that uh, that target audience of like these people who are maybe doing, they're like really sick of that nine to five yeah. or just a job that's not fulfilling or knowing I can do this. Yeah. I can take what I know here and apply it in a totally different way. Absolutely. Everybody has such an interesting story that's on the podcast but a lot of it is very much the same of taking the same skill. Mm-hmm. The one aspect that they love about their job or their skill that mm-hmm. they just love to do, and then, yes, transitioning to a new audience. That is great. Now we're going to take our selfie. Okay. So those of you who are following us on social media, you know that we do this once. Uh, it's, I guess technically not a selfie because Ben typically takes it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we smile for the camera. <laughs> It's a Yuffie. Yeah, I guess that was the right term for right, it. One, two, three. We'll do another <laughs> one in case somebody's blinking. And another one because Beth likes to blink. Uh, yes, I, I do blink. I, I'm, I'm a blinker. Blink. He's going to double check him. But we do that so that if you're following us on social media, yeah. you knew who was in the studio today getting to yeah. record with us. And you get a sneak peek at upcoming episodes that way. So if you are not already, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at Beta House Studio as well as on Twitter. Same handle at Beta House Studio as well as we have a Facebook, LinkedIn, all of those things. And Ben will be really nice and when we post this, that will all be in the description. So if you didn't catch it there, you can find it on those. So thank you, Lauren, for coming in today. Thank you it so much. It has been so much fun to have you and to get to talk with you while you're recording. Yeah. Not just come in and check your levels. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great. Thanks so much. So, And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>